Welcome to Critical Issues Commentary, the podcast ministry of Gospel of Grace Fellowship, a non-denominational Christian church in St. Louis Park, Minnesota. This is Jessica Kramis, your host for today, and I'm speaking with Bob DeWay, Gospel of Grace's teacher and theologian and author of Critical Issues Commentary. In this series, we are discussing Dutch Sheets' book on intercessory prayer. And we've been spending quite a bit of time lately on Romans 8, but we really kind of need to do that. We want to teach you what Romans 8 is really saying so that we can clearly show how he is misusing it in this current chapter of the book. So just to kind of get us back to where we were, do you want to read the end of Romans 8 and then we will discuss his misuse of this? Yeah, and then we'll go forward to taking what is a certain promise of God and making it contingent on us, as we've said. And then what happens to people who uh, are to, are totally honest and they're struggling and they become hopeless. We talked about that. We want to get that whole thing off the table. Okay. That's not what we're being told. We're being told that we're safe. Yes. Okay. So if you have false assurance... We're not trying to enhance that. Okay. Not good. We need to be converted. But for people who are trusting Christ and their sins are forgiven, they need to be assured, not condemned. Yes. So we had that rhetorical question. And the answer is no one is going to really thwart this because um, God is the one who justifies. I'm just, um, he's the one who intercedes. So do you think God will get what he intercedes for through the Spirit? Right. He holds all things together. He, he has all power. Okay. Then there's a list of extremes. of, And this is a figure of speech where you have this and this, and the implication is everything in between. Okay. Okay. But let's go to verse 37, Romans 8. Okay. But in all these things, we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, angels or principalities, things present, things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So when it says height or depth, Death or life, these are extremes and it assumes all-inclusive. Nothing will separate us. Right. Then, in case we didn't get it, it says any other created thing. People say, yeah, but we can do it. We can we can separate ourselves from the will of God. So uh, the question is, is, is the human being created? Right. Yes, we are. Is the different aspects of the human created? Okay our mind or our will or whatever we want to talk about. And when God is giving us assurance, we need to look at it for what it is. So that brings us to where we need to go forward with how this is handled in the New Apostolic Reformation version that's at least uh, Dutch's uh, articulation of their worldview. Right. Okay. And so... This is the Holy Spirit praying in groanings too deep for words. It's not, it doesn't mean speaking in tongues. 
Right. Okay. And now just to review for our listeners, we talked about this in a previous episode. He mentions praying in the spirit and he believes that's praying in tongues, but then kind of equivocates a little bit and says, we don't have to believe that we're just supposed to. And I will actually just quote him on that. So I get it right. Uh, To charismatic readers, when you see this phrase, and that's praying in the spirit, please know that I am including tongues. To the rest of you, please interpret with your belief of what it means to pray in the spirit. Well, we have a very, very different view of what it means to pray in the spirit than he does. Would you like to just clarify that a little bit more before we go on? Well, in the spirit is uh, the sphere that all Christians are in relationally. Yes. What we know about the will of God is revealed in Scripture. Right. There are so many things we could talk about, and I've written numerous articles about this. Okay. God's providence, anything that we would decide, if we're deciding decision-making, that's within our liberty, and it's not sinful, and it's not so unwise as to harm people around us, we're free to make and God will work. Right. We're not, the idea that we want to take away all liberty by telling people they can only do specifically what the Spirit tells them to do, and we don't even know what that is necessarily. Yeah. What the Scripture says is putting them into the realm of confusion, personal words from God that may or may not be from God, Assuming that if you have dreams at night, that must be telling you something. Right. Every feeling, impression, thing that happens, we're looking for something that might be from God. That is a treadmill, and it takes away our liberty in Christ because we're not trusting that what we are saying and doing and praying and believing is going to fit into this thing of growing can be conformed to the image of Christ and God's will being done. Yep. And sometimes we may pray about something and make a decision that is within our liberty to make, and it ends up being a foolish decision. God but, will still use that in our life. We're we're free to make dumb mistakes too. That's how we learn. Yes. The, the worst thing is you make dumb decisions. And you don't learn anything from it. Right. But that's part of learning. It's not like we're, let's say you become a born-again Christian at an early age. Instantly, you have the wisdom of somebody who's been a Christian for 60 years or whatever. Right. That's not how it works. And having prayed about something and made a decision that was within the realm of liberty to make, if it ends badly... It doesn't mean we didn't hear from the Lord. God, God will still use it. Right. I've done that. I well, Joining charismatic community, if I look yeah. back, dumb idea. But there's no use the woulda, coulda, shouldas are a silly way to think. Because had I not gone through that, I wouldn't be able to help others. Right. That's not why I went there. But God used the process for me to realize I should have listened to the teachers that were saying, stay in the scripture. Yes. And, and 
go that direction, not the subjective of looking for miracles and all that. Now, I don't regret the fact that that's what happened because I wouldn't be able to help people had it not. And it sort of comes into what Joseph said to his brothers, you meant it for ill, but God meant it for good. Yes. And so there's no use second guessing everything. Okay. That's what happens because looking here at the bottom of page 111, have you ever felt an inability in your prayer life to produce results? Right. Now, and I think implied in there is the results that we want. Well, that's temporal. Yes. Compare that now. This is on the same page we're talking about Romans 8. Paul's rhetorical question was what shall separate from the love of us from the love of God? Right. The answer is nothing. Yes. The rhetorical question isn't, are you going to produce results? Okay. The results are temporal. And that is what gets people confused. Yes. Results. If we're walking in the spirit, carried by the comforter, as we said, led by the spirit, serving him, God is the one that produces results that is fruit in our life. The, the prayers on our lips that we utter to God, giving him the glory, praising him, worshiping him, proclaiming the excellencies of God, preaching the gospel, teaching the word of God. Why would you say those aren't results? Right, they are. So you're praying for a new car and you can't find the one you want and you you can't afford the one you can find. Does that mean your prayer didn't re produce results? No. And so yeah, it's just... it's, it's, you're reducing life to the temporal. Yes. All, All right. right. So then looking at what Dutch Sheets is saying here, page 112, the Lord then says in this verse that one of the reasons we have this inability to produce results is because we don't always know how to pray as we should. The word should here is a very important word. Day is primarily a legal term, meaning that which is necessary, right, or proper in the nature of a case. What one must do, which is legally binding for someone. Okay, you mentioned you had a lot of research on that. Is he properly using range of meaning as yeah. he says that? So that, that is, is a great example of uh, misunderstanding why there is a range of meaning, and that is one of the meanings. Okay. But which meaning applies to which passage is determined by the author of the scripture, not the reader of the scripture. Yes. And interestingly, because uh, I'm preaching every Sunday now because of an injury that our pastor had with ICE, I've, I'm looking, I was looking for something to preach on Communion Sunday, a week from Sunday. And I decided to go with uh, Luke 13 because of this study we're doing here for these broadcasts. Okay. Because Day comes up there and he mentions that. In fact, let's look at that and I'll tell you what I learned. All right. He says uh, in Luke 13, here, Jesus used the word, when he said of the woman bent over from a spirit of infirmity, 
That's in Luke 13. Okay. Ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan hath bound, lo, these 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day? Luke 13, 16, KJV. Then continuing citation here of Tashis, his reason that she should be loosed from this spirit was her being a daughter of Abraham. Okay. Now, I've been teaching Luke Acts as a two-volume work for most of 20 years. Yes. I'm in Acts 20 now in Sunday school, and I'm preaching through Corinthians. But if there's any books of the Bible I know, it's Luke Acts, which is a two-volume work. Okay. So day is a very important term in Luke Acts. Yes. And most of the time, it's used to mean the divine necessity. All right. Sometimes it can be used to mean a command that should be followed. All right. Now, here's the interesting thing. I pulled up, I printed out the entire Greek of this, what we call pericope, which is a set a section that has a beginning and an end, and it's a unit in the Bible. Okay. I printed out the Greek of the entire thing. And I was looking at that. I ended up making a sermon out of it. I haven't preached it yet. Okay. Laid out in PowerPoint already. Day is actually used twice. All right. In in that story of the woman, the account of the woman bent over. Okay. And the one he used here, he uses what Jesus said about it. Should not this woman, the daughter of Abraham, or ought not, it's day. Earlier, if you read the story, and it's amazing, it's an amazing incident. It's another case where he goes into a synagogue and teaches. Okay. Authorities get angry about it. It happens a lot. The indignant ruler of the synagogue, Luke 13, 14, says this, but the synagogue official, indignant, because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, began saying to the crowd in response, there are six days in which work should be done. Day. D- okay. Delta, Epsilon, Iota. Day. That's the meaning that Sheets is using, because that's one of them that it can mean. Okay. Should be like it's the command of the Ten Commandments. You, six days shall you work. Yes. That's a command. So come during them and get healed, not on Sabbath. All right. It shows the hard-heartedness. Here's a woman doubled over, 18 years in the condition, doubtless scorned. Not she, She's not a prominent person in that condition. Jesus, God the Son, the Messiah, heals her. This was a condition caused by a spirit, it says in verse 11, the ruler of the synagogue cited it in the sense the Dutch sheets is citing it, only he's applying it to Jesus. The ruler is getting it wrong. Right. So the range of meaning, I want to talk about the range, what I call the range of meaning fallacy. Okay. So should be is from the Decalogue. Yes. Six days shall you work and what means it by the command of God. 
that would be a good command for people to keep nowadays. <laughs> right. Look at, look at all the young people. They just had a thing in the news. All these people who don't work at all, we got a labor shortage. But that's another story. Okay. That's a moral command, what you should do. But let's read on. Verse 13, 15, Luke. The Lord answered and said, you hypocrites. It's not each one of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the stall and lead him away to water him. Okay. And that's, of course, Kenneth Bailey actually laid that all out in his books. They they usually had a compartment right in their dwelling where the ox would be. Okay. And so they had to be taken out on Sabbath. They couldn't leave them in the spot where they were to water them. And there's also planned words about loose and unloose. Okay. Jesus loosed the woman. They loosed the ox. Yes. Was more important. Now let's go to verse 16. This is one cited by uh, Mr. Sheets. And this woman, a daughter of Abraham as she is, meaning descendant of Abraham. Okay. Whom Satan has bound for 18 long years. Should she not? There's day. Be released from this bond on the Sabbath day. Here is what the scripture says. The first use of day by the synagogue ruler is by commander duty. Okay. Okay. You must do your work. That's from the Ten Commandments. The second use by Jesus means divine necessity. All right. It was by divine necessity. And there's the meaning of the whole passage it just blows up what they're thinking. Yeah. They're thinking just the duty. Here's the duty. The duty is, you know, get the what we have to do day by day by day. Do your work on the sixth day. If you've got to heal this lady, go, do it some other day. Shows lack of concern, lack of compassion, lack of uh, understanding of God's purposes to reveal who Jesus is. Yes. There's his majesty, his power, his authority. And so the second use of day is the other meaning which is divine necessity. Okay. Okay. So the thing that's interesting, not to demean anyone, but just to point out what I've noticed reading dozens and dozens of books by inner healers, uh, deliverance, teachers, prophets, uh, apostles, people that have higher level, deeper life, all this stuff. I'm shocked how often they get the verses wrong so regularly that it's, it's shocking. They get it wrong again and again and again. Okay. How could you be so consistently wrong? All right. Well, and part of that is the very fallacy you're talking about. Take a range of meaning, pick which meaning best suits what you're trying to say, and then read that meaning into the text. Right. We pointed that out when I wrote that book about Rick Warren's purpose-driven movement. Yeah. We found translations that said things that had nothing to do with the author's meaning. Okay. When you start seeing that, I want to help people who are hearing us learn how to discern. Okay. When anyone writes something, who they are, what they wrote, what they're, which can be seen in any kind of writing, the author determines the meaning, not the reader. 
All right. Okay. That's how language works. Yes. Now, there are ranges of meaning. But the reason you need to know the range of meaning is to see what the author intends in any given passage. Okay. So in Luke 13, days used twice. Uh, Dutch Sheets mentions just the one of those, then he gets it wrong. The first meaning is the one that he says. Let me, let's look at that again. Okay. Day is primarily a legal term, meaning that which is necessary, right, or proper in the nature of a case, what one must do. Well, the legal meaning is you must do your work on the six days, not on the Sabbath. Okay. That's that part of the range of meaning. Yes. Because he's citing from the Ten Commandments. Okay. The Sabbath law. And then he mentions uh, other places. Men ought always to pray and not faint. Well, that's true. But we're, we're in Luke 13 here. And so he, he goes on to say, Jesus used the word when he said the woman bent over from a spirit of fear of infinity. Uh, and uh, not this woman being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan had bound low these 18 years, be loosed from the bond on the Sabbath day. Sure, that's what it says. His reason, says Mr. Sheets, that she should be loosed from this spirit was her being a daughter of Abraham. Okay. So that's not the point. And as a matter of fact, it certainly ignores the previous context. The word 18, by the way, is only used twice. Luke had a very robust Greek vocabulary. Yes. And the other time it's used was is earlier in Luke 13, when it talks about the, the this wall that fell on 18 and killed them. Okay. And the point of that is, do you think there were sinners than everybody else? Yeah. So the fact is that many people have maladies that are descendants of Abraham. So her being a daughter of Abraham elsewhere talks about sons of Abraham. Right. Raise up sons of Abraham. The, the key isn't that she's a daughter of Abraham. That intensifies the cruelty of those who are telling uh, Jesus that Better to have leave her in this condition a little longer uh, because we, we can't work on Sabbath. Right. And Jesus was not saying she had a covenant right to it. And no. these same teachers that we're discussing now claim that in reference to new covenant believers, that we have a covenant right or a legal right to healing. No. What needed to happen was the people see who Jesus is and what he did and what his promises are. Right. And and that it is always lawful to do good, whether or not it is the Sabbath. Yeah. So then let's read this last sentence in this paragraph. Okay. Because uh, this is citing from the intercession book here. Because he had the ability to give her what she had a covenantal right to. He said, in essence, is it not necessary and binding upon me? that I deliver the daughter of Abraham from this infirmity. In other words, 
Jesus had a moral obligation to do it. Oh, wow. That's just not what Luke was saying. No. The, the thing that's astonishing is that the word day is used twice, the first time in the sense of a moral obligation. Okay. Six days. The second time in the sense of a divine necessity that God is displaying the mar marvelous works of Messiah. Yes. I must do the works. And this isn't because every single daughter of Abraham has a covenantal right and Jesus is obligated to heal everybody based on their ethnicity. Right. And and he's, you know, I would even take that a step further. He's not obligated to heal anybody by some covenantal contract either. We are in covenant with him as new covenant believers, but that does not obligate him to heal us. The promise is that he brings us to glory. Yes. Promise isn't that believers uh, have a right to not be sick. Right. Okay. So day is used twice. There's a range of meaning. The first time it means moral duties. Second time means divine necessity based on the purposes of God. In Luke Acts, almost always day is used in the sense of the divine necessity that's there because of the purpose of God to bring messianic salvation to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. And I can prove that. Okay. I've been teaching this for many years, and I'm now every Bible class and sermon starts with the Greek, and then I find the best English translation to try to explain the meaning. So there is a play on the words day. Okay. But unfortunately, in this book, he, gets a, he only mentions one of them, and he gets it dead wrong. Right. Now, let me talk about the range of meaning fallacy. That's my terminology. Maybe others have used it. Okay. You look at a dictionary, whether it's a dictionary of the English language or a Greek dictionary, there are ranges of meaning. Yes. That doesn't mean that you pick one of them and apply it wherever you want and say, hey, that's what it must mean. Right. Because that is another fallacy of the reader determines the meaning, not the author. The only meaning that's going to have impact on our lives is the meaning of the Holy Spirit-inspired author. Yes. And we can't get our theological prejudices and pet doctrines in mind and then try to shoehorn some meaning into a text to lend credibility to our doctrine, well, we really don't want to know what the author is telling us. Right. And if you, in addition, by the way, that 18 is interesting, whether intentional, 18 is used when the, how many were the, the, at Salome, the wall fell on? Yes. Well, there's probably daughters of Abraham there. Right. Okay. Do you think there were sinners and everybody in Galilee? No, unless you repent, you all likewise perish. Right. And then, then it goes to this, 
which is an act of God's mercy to demonstrate who Messiah is. Okay. Earlier, he went into the synagogue, Nazareth, Luke 4.18, cited Isaiah 61, 1 and 2, that he came to bring release to captives. Yes. Okay. And by the time he got done teaching, they want to throw him off a cliff. <laughs> right. Go, go read Luke, Luke 4. Okay. That's the incident of teaching in a synagogue that has this sort of a interaction with the people there. Yes. So the ruler doesn't like it. Okay. Turn sure off it's Sabbath. More interested in the rule keeping version than, and then Jesus uses a lesser to greater argument to refute him. Okay. Next part ends up about how the kingdom grows when people are, are coming into it by believing in Messiah. So we, we, I don't know, I can't help people anymore than to give them the tools to read. Yes. When someone takes a verse and says something about it, it makes this kind of claim. If you go back and carefully read the incident in Luke 13, or just read Luke 13, one right up through the incident, you don't come to the conclusion that the fact of being a descendant of Abraham and a female gives you a covenantal right to healing. Exactly. I'm thankful that, th that we ran across this because it gave me a sermon to preach a week from Sunday. All right, good. Um, so when we come back, we will discuss then what he says about Romans 8.26, now that we've laid a good foundation for you. We are out of time for this edition of Critical Issues Commentary Radio. You can access this episode and many others, as well as years worth of articles at the website cicministry.org. While you're there, click on contact and send us a message. We'd love to hear from you. We want to encourage you all to stand firm in one spirit with one mind and strive together for the faith of the gospel. For Critical Issues Commentary, this is Jessica Kramus. And Bob, we'll see you next week.